This is the fifth uh, anniversary, fifth birthday of our church today. First Sunday in February. Actually, it was February 1st in 2015, which would have been yesterday. We're going to celebrate today. As I've already mentioned, we are doing the uh, building dedication this afternoon, 4 o'clock. We'll invite you back for that. Food as well. Uh, right out of Bible college, we had the privilege of serving a, a church down in uh, East Central Alabama for a couple of years. While I was there, I was actually on staff as a minister of education and youth. And uh, the senior pastor of that church did something that I love, and uh, I just sort of picked up the idea. And, and I, ever since, I, ever since then, I tried to do it in any church I was a part of and, and was a leader in leadership in. And it's basically he did a state of the church address. I thought, well, that's a pretty cool idea. And so that's what I want to we, we do it every year. I'm going to do it a little different this year than what I've done in the past. So if you've been here for before, you're going to notice a little difference. So basically, uh, in the past, I sort of looked at the church from the five, uh, five perspectives or five functions or purposes of the church, ministry, and discipleship, and evangelism, and all those things. Today, I want to take a little different approach. And I actually want to look at it from our church vision. We have a church vision statement. It's actually four statements. It's know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And I want to look at it from that perspective. And then uh, with each area, I want to sort of look back into 2019 and what we did. Not going to spend a lot of time looking back. And then look forward into 2020 and what we know is coming, what the Lord's laid on our heart. And then sort of end each section with a challenge to, to all of us as a church collectively. All right, you with me? Understand that there's a lot of information I'm going to share. You know, there, there's just some of this. There ain't no way to preach it. I'm just sharing information. Are you with me? Yep. <laughs> but I'll, I'll make it as lively and exciting as I can make it. But uh, it, I'd say it, it is what it is. But we are going to share some principles and truths as we go. So the first thing is know God. And our passage I want to share is Romans 1:20 and Romans 2:15. Um, the first one is Romans 1:20. He says, "For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power." In divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. The next one, Romans 2.15. They showed that the works of the law was written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So I share these passages because, again, we're talking about knowing God, and I, and I want you to understand right out of the gate this morning that I sincerely believe that every single person that you meet is searching for God. They are searching for God. They, they may tell you they're an agnostic. They may tell you they're an atheist. They may tell you they're not interested in church or anything to do with church. They may give you all kinds of excuses. But I guarantee you, deep down inside, when nobody else is around, they're asking those questions. They're searching. And they, they realize that something is missing. They realize that something is not right. And I believe that's because God wired us that way. Amen? God guided God wired us uh, with a desire for a relationship with Him. Now we try to fill that void with all kinds of things, you know, money and sex and drugs and alcohol and relationships and all kinds of stuff, obviously. We try to fill that void that God created us with, but ultimately He's the only one that can fill it because He designed us that way. Now let me just say, I do think there are people who are, who are agnostic. You know, the idea that you can't know God or God can't be known. But I sincerely don't believe there is any such thing as an atheist. I don't believe they exist. I believe everybody that you meet who tells you that they're an atheist thinks they are, but the reality is they're just living in denial. They're just living in denial because think about it. What they're really trying to do is explain away God. Because if they can explain away God, then they're not accountable for their actions. You with me? 
So, so think about this logically. If, if I evolved from an ape, if that's where I came from, if that's where the human race came from, then logically I'm not accountable because there's no one to hold me accountable. If, I, if logically I'm the result of a single cell organism that crawled out of the mud puddle, then again, there is no accountability. There's no one to hold me accountable. So I think it really, that's what it goes back to that, you know, they're not really atheists. They just don't want to answer to God. They don't want to be accountable to anyone or anything. So they just say, hey, I'm an atheist, and they go on with their life. But I'm telling you this morning that they're searching. And I'm here to tell you this morning that there is a God. Amen? Amen. His name is Jehovah, the great I Am. And He wants a relationship with you. Yes. He wired you for that relationship. Matter of fact, He didn't just do that. He also paid the price to make that relationship possible. Yes. The Bible says He sent His Son Jesus to the cross, right? To pay the price for our sins. He died as our sacrifice, as a ransom, as a price for our sins, as a payment for that, so that we can be reconciled and have that relationship. But listen, He will not force you into that relationship. You see, He also gives you something called free will. He gives you the choice to choose Him and to choose that relationship. Why did He do that? He did that because forced love is not love at all. You ever heard the term shotgun wedding? <laughs> they have a lot of them where Jennifer's from, but West Virginia. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> I'm just picking on her. Seriously. I mean, we've heard the term shotgun wedding. I think they seriously do happen. Now, there's not literally a shotgun, but I think there are some some forced marriages, right? Because of situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in. But if, if, listen, if someone's being forced to marry another person, is that really love? No, it's not love at all. And that's what I want you to understand. That, and that's why we have free will as Christians because if God sent Jesus to the cross and then forced us into that relationship, that's not love. He's forcing something. He wants us to freely choose Him. So our desire, and again, going back to the whole concept of knowing God, is that every weekend here on Sunday mornings at 10.30, we create an environment, we create an atmosphere, and we have worship services where people can meet God, where they can encounter Him, where they can experience Him and His love and, and all that He is. Amen? Amen. So this, looking back, as far as knowing God, you know, weekend services, we had a lot of guest speakers this year. We started sharing the preaching and teaching load amongst the, the pastor council and, and shared some of that. Uh, we did various sermon series. We did one about freedom. We did one on kingdom culture, uh, keys to the Christian life, and on and on and on. We did Williams, Williams, I'll get it out in a second. women's worship. We did prayer services and all kinds of things. So let me share a few things with you as far as going forward into 2020. Again, looking ahead, worship to a new level. You know, I just, I just want to see uh, unity and obedience. That, that's the main thing there. Unity and obedience and just worshiping the Lord. Services that are filled and led by the Holy Spirit. Listen, I can tell you there was a time in my life when I, I led worship services and I didn't care in the least what the Holy Spirit wanted to do. I just got up there with my program and my order service and boom, 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 I'm done, let's go. And the Lord convicted me of that in all honesty. And so when we launched this church five years ago, you know, again, the Lord had dealt with me on this and I just come to the point where, you know, I'm just... My desire is to follow Him, is to, is to be led by Him every Sunday morning. And if, if it's something that's on the, on the order of service, that's great. If it's completely different than the order of service, that's great too. Because we, we just need to follow Him because He knows what's happening. He knows everyone's heart. He knows the situations. He knows what He wants to do. So instead of sticking to this set order of service, I just want to you know, be filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. Next, rel relevant messages. 
I love the whole Bible, but you know, I really don't want to hear a sermon series on the book of Numbers. I'm just like, continue rehearsals. Our praise team worship and practicing, worshiping and practicing. Um, you know, again, the idea we try to do things here with excellence and in all things, and you know, the Lord is worthy of our best. Amen. So let's do things, let's practice, let's do them to the best of our ability with what we have. Expansion of the worship team. I know Andy and I have had this conversation. You know, I know there are gifted musicians and singers in here. Some of them are hiding undercover. But they're here. And I know they're here. And so we want to, you know, develop those people, get let them give an opportunity to exercise their gifts. And you know, I'd love to see two complete worship teams that rotate. That also gives them a break. And it's just, it's hard to, to serve every week continually, continually and without a break. So, you know, maybe we can do that this coming year. Gifts for visitors and greeters in the park. Uh, just threw that on there. Uh, we're actually working on some offers here, but giving gifts to all of our first-time visitors. So basically the idea is to sort of redeem that connect card for a gift. Greeters in the parking lot. We had greeters at the door, but, you know, for, for older people, it's pretty good ways down at the end of the parking lot. And maybe even at some point, running the golf cart, having greeters out there just to help shuffle people to the building. Yeah. The next one is live streaming of services by May. I'm going to talk a little bit about Woven Alliance in a few minutes and sort of this network that we're building. But our goal is to be streaming services from here live by May uh, to other facilities. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. So as far as knowing God, the challenge is welcome every visitor you see and make them feel at home to your refuge. That's everyone's job. Amen. Just welcome the people that you see. You say, well, preacher, I don't know them. It don't matter. Just welcome them anyway. If they've been here for 20 times, it doesn't matter. Welcome them anyway. You know, good to see you, hug them, whatever. But just be hospitable. Amen? Amen. Next, find freedom. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. It's amazing how God sends people into your life who are a lot like you. Have you ever noticed that? There's this phrase I've shared many times. Your, your misery becomes your ministry. Your mess becomes your message. And it's amazing how you can go through something and God work, you know, be healed of that thing and delivered of it and have victory in it. And then God starts sending people into your life who are struggling with what you just got freedom from. That's not an accident. <laughs> That's the way it works. And he sends those people into my life so I can help them gain victory and gain freedom. You with me? Amen? Yes. He also sends people into my life who are nothing like me. Amen? <laughs> he sends people into my life that are nothing like me, that honestly hit every nerve and push everybody. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. You know people like that? Yeah, they just pop me around. Maybe they're sitting beside of you. I don't know. But, but seriously, we, we all have those people. There, there's the people that are like us, and there are people that are nothing like us. But here's the deal. God uses all of them. God uses the people that are like me and the people that are unlike me to grow me. It goes back to this verse. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. How, how does iron sharpen iron? It's friction. There's got to be friction. You just don't lay them together on the table and they sharpen each other. There has to be friction. They have to rub each other. So again, those people in your life that just, again, push everybody and get hit a nerve, that, that's what it is. It's friction. It's God using those people to... to Change us and make us what we need to be. Yeah, but that doesn't happen in passing. It's a process. It happens, honestly, it happens in relationships. As we have discussions, as we share criticisms even in a loving way, as we have suggestions and ideas, 
The Holy Spirit uses that time together, that conversation time with those people to grow us and mold us what He wants us to be. But here's where the danger comes. Listen. The danger comes as a Christian when I isolate myself from other Christians and never attend church or anything else. That's when the danger comes. When I never have those deep conversations, when I never open myself up and share. When I sit at home in front of my TV and watch preacher whoever and think that I'm better off than all those Christians down at the church. That's the dangerous thing. Why is that? Because there's no one in my life to speak truth to. You know, there's accountability in the midst of the body. And it's, if we get off track, if we step to the side and get off on somewhere we shouldn't be, hopefully there's somebody in the body that will speak correction to my life and say, hey brother, I see you doing this. You don't need to be doing this. We need that. But when I sit in my couch and watch preacher whoever and never expose myself to those conversations, never give other people the freedom and even the permission to speak into my life, then I'm in trouble. Another thing that I see here is the spirit of rebellion sometimes. You see people who are doing things at home or, or even in house churches to some extent. And, and, and really what's driving it all is the spirit of rebellion. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is never a source of rebellion. Never. Not when it comes to the body. Not when it comes to the church. Because the church is still His instrument. It's still the only instrument of transformation and change on the planet. In a spirit of rebellion, you got to check that. Okay? So really, here's what I'm saying. You, you will never be the disciple of Jesus' desires without a connection to a local, life-giving church. You can never do that on your couch. There's some great churches that are you know, streaming on TV now, and I like to listen to some of them myself, but if I isolate myself and it's all I'm never exposed to, and I'm never around real people who will speak truth into my life, then that, that won't work. That is trouble. God never meant for the Christian mom to be a solo one. He meant for us to do it together. Alright, so let's look, let's look into uh, finding freedom. In 2019... We've had all kinds of meals and events and fellowship and build relationships. Uh, I want to share some. So the way we focus this and accomplish this as a church is through our small groups. So let me just share some stats with you. I can't share them all, but just a couple on small groups. We had 31 total groups in 2019, 278 total members. Some of those are duplicates because some people were in multiple groups. Um, there was 63 out of that, whatever that number ends up being, I think it was like 111 actual church members. 63 in those groups were non-church members. 63. So right at half, roughly. I didn't run, run the statistics. But you know, our whole our whole idea here and our whole vision for our small groups is they are outward focused. Is that hey, you can host a group on whatever common thing you want to. You can invite people to your house. Invite lost people to your house who will come to your house that will never come to church. And we use them. They're outward focused to pull people in, and that those numbers basically prove that that's happening. 63 people that were non-church participants. So let's look ahead. Uh, continue to fellowship and eat. Amen? <laughs> we do a lot of eating here. i got to maintain my investment. we got uh, activities for all age groups. I mean, we did a children's bowling thing last time. I mean, we're going to continue to do those things. It's expanding small group options. It's not competition. It's multiplication. Please understand me. 
is multiplication. That's the way it works. And uh, we don't want to shuffle people from group to group. We want to multiply those groups and start new groups with new people. That's, that's the way it works. Uh, there are some gaps in there. We're going to address some of those and start some specific groups to fill in some of those gaps. But we're going to expand that. Uh, increased church participation in small groups. This, I guess this is the one thing, if I had to nail down one thing for the year as far as groups, this is it. Because church participation in small groups, as far as members of the church, 61.5%. So what that tell me? That tells me that one out of every three is not in the group anyway. It goes back to what I just talked about, iron sharpening iron. And if we're going to be the church we're called to be, and the individuals we're called to be, we have to put ourselves in those situations. We have to have those conversations. And we have to open up our hearts and share and let people speak into our lives. So the challenge is this. Everyone participating in at least one small group. Amen? Amen. If I could make you, I would. <laughs> I mean, honestly. I can't do that. You're all I mean, you're free, free adults, most of you. <laughs> but I mean, I say it that way just to stress the importance. Seriously, it's very important. <clears throat> I love worship. I love coming to worship services and, and God shows up and God touches us and all those things, but you can't, there's no substitute for this time in groups and having conversations, time in the Word and, and letting God and other people speak truth to us. Amen? Amen? Number three, discover purpose. Philippians 3, 7 through 10. Passion, here's, here's the Webster definition of passion. Passion is an intense desire or enthusiasm for something, a, a thing arousing enthusiasm. This is one of my favorite passages New Testament. It's Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. The Apostle Paul says, But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He says, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Notice, not having the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Again, one of my favorite passages in the New Testament because, man, it's like Paul was consumed with this pursuit of Jesus. Just, it's like the only thing that mattered was Jesus. He says, you know, before the, the verses before this, it's not on the screen. He talks about his pedigree, and he was a Hebrew of Hebrews from the tribe of Benjamin, just on and on and on and on. And this sort of stacks up this pedigree of who he was. Trainer of the best, teacher of the day. Man, he was all these things. He said, but I can't all those as loss. <laughs> then he goes on, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish. The word there literally is dog food. It's dog dung. He says, that's what I think of who I was and all that I amassed in comparison with the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. He says, those things don't matter. I count them all as lost. Man, that we would just pursue that intimacy. But understand that purpose and passion sort of are on the two rails of the same track. They cannot be separated and often they're, they're deeply woven. So if you want to know what God's purpose for your life is, one of the ways to look at it and and to start that look is think about your passions. What, what makes you angry? What, what makes you joyful? What creates excitement in your heart? Because it's those things that often point to the other track. That point to the purposes and plans that God has for your life. Yeah. You with me? Yeah. 
So we need to pay attention to what moves us in our emotions because it's often an indication of God's purposes. Let me just let me give you an illustration from my own life. Talking about passion. What, what, what makes me passionate? For me, and it's churches. It's churches that have no outreach, churches that have no focus, churches that we would look at and say, well, well they're dying. Or communities that I go into that have no church. Or no church that's alive and vibrant and really doing anything. Right? When I, when I look at those things, they move me. They make me want to take action. So, so, so that points to my purpose. Here, here's the deal. Here's the tricky part. When I see those things, sometimes I'm the solution. Sometimes I'm not the solution. Sometimes God wants me to step in and fix it. Other times, God wants me to pray for and support and encourage someone else to step in and fix it. Right. And that's often where the that's where the hard part is for me is to discern sometimes. God, what is my role in this? Yes, I see this. Yes, I know how to fix this. But God, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to do this myself, or am I supposed to bring someone else along to fix this thing? Right. right. But and it works the same way for you. But when I think about my passions and my gifts and my talents and my skills. They clarify my purpose. And you've got to understand that that purpose is not just about you. It's about what God wants to accomplish through you. For His kingdom. For His church. The Bible says, you know, the whole idea of on earth as it is in heaven. And you are the instrument He uses for that. Amen? Amen. Purposes revealed by passion. That's all I'm saying. Looking back, in terms of discovering purpose, we did 21 days of prayer and fasting. We did... uh, a voice of the Apostles Conference in Pennsylvania. We did Shabbat with the youth. As far as looking ahead, uh, conferences, the youth are going to Shabbat in a couple weeks. We have uh, a couple of us throughout the year we're going to try to do if, if uh, things work out. <laughs> Again, expanding small groups. It's a multiplication. It's not a competition. It's not about shuffling things. Expanding leadership opportunities. <laughs> Along with the small groups and the ministry teams is giving people an opportunity to lead and serve and do what God's called them to do. Again, growth track. We're, going to, we're actually expanding growth track. Right now it's four weeks. We're going to take it to probably eight weeks. And we're going to really dive into this whole process of discovering purpose and, and, and you know, helping people find where God would have them serve. So the challenge, every person in the church family knowing divine design and passionately pursuing Jesus. We just want you to know why you're here. Because you're here for a reason. You're here for, you know, there, there is no accident or happenstance or coincidence in God's economy. The kingdom is all about purposes about purpose, and there is a reason you're here. <laughs> Lastly, make a difference. Ephesians 4, 11-12 says, He himself gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So again, let me go back to this, this, sort of this core truth in the entire Christian life. God saved you, and He is renewing you all for a purpose. You with me? Amen? Amen. That purpose is not for you to come, and I, and I love this saying, I don't know where I got this from. That purpose is not for you to come and sit soaking sad in a padded seat for an hour or two on Sunday morning. Sit soaking sad. I don't even know where I heard that, but I love it. But, but why? Because think about it. That's what happens. We sit here, we soak up the word, we soak up the worship, we soak up whatever, and we sour because we never take it outside the walls. Right. Sit soaking sour. 
You see, this is where the rubber really hits the road. And honestly, this is the reason a lot of churches never do anything. Because they sit soaking out. And there's sort of two mentalities that, that overtake that are not good. The first one is, is fire insurance, is what I call it. Just, hey, I'm going to walk an aisle, I want to kneel down, I want to pray a prayer, I want to accept Jesus, so I know I'm not going to hell, and then I'll just go do whatever for the next 30 years. Whatever. However long it is that he takes me home. I just, you know, as I say a lot of times, we just kneel a prayer, kneel down, pray a prayer, and then go live like hell for the next 30 years. Because I got fire insurance, right? I, I, I prayed that prayer, I went through the motions, and I know I'm not going to hell. That's one bad mentality. Here, here's the other one. It's the whole be my forward no more. Right? So we, we, want, we want our family to be in church. We want our family to know Jesus because we don't want none of them to go to hell. But then we don't, we don't worry about anybody else. So we're not concerned about anybody else. And so it's me and my four, my family, then we become content with that and we never reach out. Those are, those are two very detrimental attitudes, but you see them a lot in church. And, and those shouldn't be our attitude. I want, I want to go to heaven, but guess what, man? I want to take everybody with me, I can you know, Ron Mark Bonke, the evangelist, actually passed away in 2019. He, loved, he had this saying that I love, that I use a lot of times. That he, he said he wanted to plunder hell and populate heaven. Yeah. I mean, that should be our heart, right? It's not, it's not about fire insurance. It's not about being my forward, my family, but it's about reaching outside this walls to the community and helping them come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior because we want to plunder hell and populate heaven. Yeah. If we're going to do that and be successful, we've got to do it God's way. Listen, in this passage, he mentions... Some offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. For the sake of time, I, I don't even have time to get into all that, but I want to focus on the last part of this verse because I want you to see why those exist. He says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body. Equipping of the saints. The word literally means to make fit, prepared, or qualified for service. In classical Greek language, the word actually meant the setting of a bone in surgery. So that's the picture you got to get in your mind. That those office, offices exist, number one, for the equipment of the saints, for the setting of the, of the saints in service. In other words, to fix and align and prepare and do all that's got to be done for them to work the ministry. Because it says he does it. He equips them, notice, for the work of ministry. God's design is not that one man that you call pastor does everything. But again, that's the problem in some churches. You have those bad mentalities of fire insurance and me and my four, but then you also have this mentality that this one guy we pay has to do everything. Yeah. <coughs> That's when the body suffers. Because one man I don't, or a woman, I don't care who they are, they can't do everything. I can't do it by myself. I'm the first to admit it. And I need help. Let me tell you what happens when I try because I've tried. Can I tell you what happens? We can go a thousand different directions and get absolutely nowhere. And then me... I end up burned out and non-productive. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what God's called me to do and surround myself with people who will help me do all the rest. Yeah. And that's what it's got to be. He says, notice the last phrase. He says, for the equipment of the saints, again, for like setting the bone, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The word literally means building up for internal strengthening of the body. So let's go back to that word picture. If I break my leg, and they go down to the ER, hire a memorial, where they set it, and they put it in a cast. I'm going to be in a cast for six, eight weeks, whatever. What happens when the cast comes off? Where am I going? I'm going to physical therapy. Why is that? Because my leg has to be restrained. That's literally the word right there. 
for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the building up and strengthening of the body of Christ. That those, that's why those offices exist. To build them up, to help them function as they design. So the job of those four is to equip and train and impart and disciple. Amen? People ministering is the biblical model. It's really that, that simple. So let's go to the next slide. Looking ahead into 2020, as far as making a difference. Continue expansion ministry teams and leaders. We have about uh, 13, I think, core ministry teams in the church. And, uh, with, and there's leaders in those. And we're going to uh, expand those and add a couple. Because honestly, there's a couple of gaps there we, that we need to fill in that we've, that we've noticed and seen. Uh, successfully launched Woven Alliance and expand his kingdom. Uh, along with, we have a very, not to admit as far as church vision, but this Woven Alliance is really part of our church vision and where God has taken us to the church, and we'll talk more about that in a second. Uh, continue to meet needs and share the love of Christ. Challenges every member of this church family serving the Lord and sharing his love in some aspect of ministry at Refuge. As far as 2019 uh, making a difference, a couple things. We did, uh, of course, benevolence. We have you know, several families with rent, groceries, and all that kind of thing. We get to the Angel Tree at North Iowa Middle School. Um, a lot of pastoral ministry visitation. We could, we could go on and on and on. Uh, one thing I want to highlight, too, is out of conversation as far as Jeff, uh, Josh and his team. Uh, it was actually a slow year for them, but they did 18 events uh, in five states. And those 18 events included uh, over 600 people that they reached and had conversations with that does not include any of the festivals. I think they did three music festivals, like multi-day festivals. That doesn't count any of those. These are just in-home, in-church kind of, of meetings. So over 600 people. So we praise the Lord for that. Yes. So the challenge. Again, every member of this church family is serving the Lord and sharing His love in some aspect of ministry. This is honestly one of the most important parts because as a church... This is where we measure success. You know, a lot of churches, they measure success by how many people come in the door or you know, giving or, or whatever. We measure success right here. We, we feel like we have been a good steward of people and resources, when not, not just when they come in the door, but when they come to know God, when they found freedom from the past, when they know their purpose, and they're working in that purpose and plan inside the church. That, that, that is the finish line for us. So that, that's why uh, this is incredibly important to us as a church. We want faithful people serving where they're gifted, not motivated by a desire to serve the Lord. You know, some churches, it's, it's just, it, it's about a gift trip. I mean, we honestly right now need workers in children's ministry. Could I call up 12 people and lay a gift trip on them and get 12 workers for children's ministry? Probably so. I'm not going to do that. Why is that? Because, again, our model is it's gift-based, not need-based. You see, if all I'm ever doing is plugging and putting people to a need, then I'm really not solving the bigger problem. Because the, the real solution is I take people and I plug them in where they're gifted and where they're, they have a desire and a passion to serve. Because listen, if, 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 it's, if you're serving somewhere where you're gifted and passionate about serving, you do a much better job in all honesty than you will if I just plug you in a spot. Yeah. Because again, it goes back to the purpose, discovering purpose and everything lining up. Amen? Alright, let me get two areas that are not part of the, of the uh, vision statement I'll be doing. The first one is finances. Uh, total receipts for 2019 as a church, $118,157.82. That's what we took in total in 2019 
In that number are several large one-time contributions to the building. Uh, and we, we didn't back those out, but that is total receipts for 2019. The budget for this year, fiscal year 2020, is $96,044, a little over $96,000. If you do the math on that, it breaks down to $1,847 a week. That's the weekly amount needed uh, for budget. Uh, so the challenge is every member fulfilling the biblical mandate to tithe so we can fulfill God's plan. You know, I just encourage you to be a, and it's for one reason, it's, it's not so I can, you know, have a new house and car and pad my pockets. Because none of that goes to me. I encourage you to give so that we can do more and fulfill God's vision to be the church God has called us to be. The reality is ministry costs money. I mean, just, you know, we're, again, we're doing a grand opening today, but there's stuff in this building that's not done, and it adds up quickly. Uh, we, we saw the streaming thing in May. I mean, in, in all honesty, to do the streaming as we want to do it and need to do it, we're looking at $30,000 just for the cameras and the hardware and the computers. Uh, we're gonna, not going to do that. <laughs> we're going to do a, a, a very economical version of that, but still, I mean, you're looking at a couple thousand dollars. Uh, you know, the petitions in these rooms are about $6,000. There's a backdrop here. There's sticks out here we want to build. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. It adds up. And that's where the money goes. And that's why we need everybody contributing as they should. You say, Pastor, I can't afford the time. Listen, you can't afford not to time. Honestly, that's the way I look at it. You say, well, how's that? Well, I figure I can do more than 90% with God's blessing. Then I'll ever be with 100% without his blessing. Yeah, I'll Can I say that again? Yeah, yeah. I'll do more with 90% God's blessing than I ever will with 100% without God's blessing. Yeah. And the, the other thing you see a lot is there's this mentality that it's you know, the job of a couple people who are doing good or well off to carry. It's, it's not that way either. It's not the responsibility of three or four people to carry the load of the church. It's the responsibility of everyone. Because it is the body, B-O-D-Y, and we are all parts of that body, and we all have responsibilities. So again, every member fulfilling the biblical mandate to tithe so we can fulfill God's plan. I figured that didn't mean amen. It's totally okay. I wouldn't amen today. Well, the last area is the area of vision. Um, we, we sort of knew all along that, that this church was going to be more than one location and sort of multi-campus model. Um, I honestly thought God doesn't, sometimes God didn't show you all the picture because if he showed you the whole picture, he'd never go. And I think this is one of those situations. Uh, again, our, we, we always knew it was going to be more than just this place. And uh, over the last year and a half or so, God sort of refined that and, and what it looks like. And so I want to share some of this with you. And this might be very confusing. If it is, I apologize in advance. I made it as simple as I can make it. Because really, it's, it's, it's more of a conversation than, than just a couple bullet points on the screen. Uh, so, the, the, so the idea is, is shared leadership. Going back to what I said a while ago, about one, one person can't do it all. And those, those offices you saw in the Ephesians passage, you know, we want them all in this church and functioning and contributing to the body and helping lead and govern the body. Because that, that is the biblical model. Um, the hybrid part comes in, again, going back to, to most churches and, and what you see in most churches, there's usually one of two mentalities. 
or mindsets, I guess, would be a better term. One mindset is a religious mindset, and you see it here a lot in the South. Even people who have never been to church, and they have this mentality that God can only show up in a, in a building with stained glass and a steeple, and God's confined to that environment. It's like a religious mindset. The, the other one is uh, exactly the opposite. And honestly, you see it in a lot of like house church movements, and it's a relational mindset. And, and, the, and they get the idea that it doesn't matter about a building, that God's beyond and bigger than the building, but it's about relationships. You with me? It sort of goes back to the whole small group idea. It's about iron sharpens iron. It's about having those relationships. And honestly, that is the model you see outside of the United States. If you look at the church globally, that's what you see. Places where the church is growing and thriving, you see that relational model, usually of house churches that are doing that. So that's sort of where the hybrid comes in. Because I, I, we want to launch something called the Woven Alliance uh, probably middle of this year. And basically it is a network of Christian communities. Some of them are going to be house churches. Some of them are going to be churches in church buildings. They're going to be all over the place. But it is a hybrid approach. We're not going to say, hey, you've got to look like this or you've got to talk like this or you've got to be like us or whatever. We want to take them all. And if, and if they... If they uh, you know, they need support, they need structure, or they need anything we can provide that we're going to plug them into this network. There's sort of three levels to it. One level is just basically belonging to the network, the big accountability and training and all that kind of things. It sort of goes down. The last level will actually be a campus of this church. Some of these places we're going to stream services to, some of them are just going to be a resource to them. It's going to, every one of them is going to be different. They're all going to vary. But it's just about, you know, you see a lot of division in the church today. A lot of fracture, a lot of hurt. And we just want to, you know, just deal with all that stuff. So let's, you know, reach out to all of them and let's find the common ground that we have. Not compromising truth, but, you know, let's just be what we can be to each other and encourage them. And so that's where the idea. The multi-communal comes, that's where it sort of comes in. Again, it's a hybrid approach. You know, and... Uh, some of these communities may be meeting in a house. Some of them may be in a 150-year-old church building in Pennsylvania. They may be in a high-rise apartment in New York City. I don't care where they are. I don't care where they're meeting or what they're doing uh, as far as you know the structure of their organization. They don't have to look like us and you know, all those good things. It's just taking those communities and uniting them together under one umbrella, sort of a network. And that's sort of the vision in a nutshell. It's called, we're calling it Global Alliance. Uh, and all, honestly, what we're just, the Lord sort of fell this together for me is I was reading a book called Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. And uh, Francis Chan lives on the West Coast, and he's actually already started a network of, of house churches. But that was about a year away from this building being done. And I was sitting on my couch one night, and I was reading that book. And you ever just have those moments? It's like God just smashing the head. That was one of those moments for me. But honestly, what, what got me was I got to thinking about this building and the resources and all that went into this building. How it took two, two and a half years to build, $300,000 give or take. And then we, we were talking about, at that time, we were talking about doing a campus over toward Taylorsville. And I got thinking, man, if I took that same money, just strictly from resources, if I took that same amount of money to do that Taylorsville campus, and I did it under this model with multiple smaller communities, man, I could do 12 of them. I mean, I really could do 12 campuses in this model to what one's going to cost me something like this. It just it made, sense, it made sense to me. 
You know, it's like yeah, green light, the light bulb went off. I mean, but it's a much broader influence with a lot less resources. And so, this is sort of in a nutshell. Again, I know it's complicated. I know it's probably confusing. But please, if, if you never heard the entire vision or don't understand it, please let me know. I'd be honored to sit down and, and go through it all with you. The smallest detail you want. Because what I listen, what I don't want is disunity and confusion. And so if I, if I can sit down and have a conversation with you and share this, I would be honored to. We're going to start doing some stuff on that. On, there's actually a Logan Alliance website. We're going to start doing some stuff on there. Uh, some videos and materials and just you know to lay all that out. So you know, it would be great to practice it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll be honored to sit down and share it with you. So the, the challenge here is just understand, support, and embrace our vision and direction as a church. I just think that's very important. Because what we don't want to do is give the enemy a foothold or ground for to create disunity and confusion and create havoc in our church. Amen? So that's pretty much the state of the church. Um, awesome things happening. I'm excited about what God's taking our church. It's been an awesome five years. But you know what? The promises and words we have are far greater than anything we've seen yet. Yes. And the best is yet to come. The greater that we've been promised yes. is coming. Yes. It's already started. I can't wait. So let, let me end with this. The 2020 thing, we do a theme every year. We have the last few anyway. The 2020 theme links in the slides is following Holy Spirit with clarity and purpose. Amen. Following Holy Spirit with clarity and purpose. Let me tell you why we chose that. John 16, 13, I think, was a reference. Um, you're seeing all this stuff, you know, 2020. You're seeing all this stuff about vision 2020 and being in the year 2020. I have a friend who's an eye dog, and I was talking to him the other day, and he says, you know, 2020 is not perfect vision. I said, really? I always thought it was. He said, no. That's just average. It's like, okay. <laughs> Perfect vision is actually 2010. 2015, 2010. Somewhere in that range. 2020 is not perfect vision. So I got to think about that. You know, we have this whole, whole we bought into this idea that 2020 is perfect. When in reality, 2020 is just average. And I, I, the Lord has sort of used that. And I just got to think about, you know, direction in the church and you know, we're stepping into a new territory with a new building and, you know, new challenges. There's all kinds of things coming that we have no idea of and can't really prepare for. But there's one who knows it all. That's who I want to follow. So, following the Holy Spirit with clarity and purpose. Because He knows what's coming and we got to be walking with Him. Amen? So, if you go to stand your feet, I'm going to stand if you would come back up. Um, so I know this is a traditional sermon, but I do, I do want to have a time of response. You know, maybe you want to come and just pray for our church, pray for uh, the unity of our church. Maybe there's some area in our church that you feel led to, and you want to. Come pray for you in that area or the hole or the leader. Or, man, worst case, you can pray for me. I'll, I'll come to your prayers. I appreciate your prayers. Uh, maybe you're here and you don't know God's plans and purposes and you just want a revelation of that. And want God to show you where you fit in. Or, man, I don't know. I just, just want to give you a chance to respond. I want everybody to be obedient. You know, I'm excited.
so excited about what's coming and what God's going to do here.